Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Uh, we are in this series called Discover Life, and, and, and Discover Life is about our spiritual journey. This is what we feel as a church that the Lord has talked to us about to help people walk on this journey that he has for them, and, and we're all on a journey. Last week, we uh, talked about it, uh, and we talked about how to know God. If you missed that message, I know it was a holiday weekend, you might want to go back and listen to that. Check it out on our uh, YouTube page or on our Facebook page and, and really kind of see what we're saying when we say we want you to know God and how to know God. Uh, today we're moving into how to find freedom. Everybody say freedom. I think freedom is really important. And as I preach today, if you want to follow in your notes, um, all of my notes are on the Version app. If you are unfamiliar with how to get there, Open the Uversion app, go down to the little menu, look for the events. When you click events, uh, Life Church should pop up if you're in one of our campuses. Uh, and and when that, when it, if, if it doesn't, search for Life Church HTX and you'll find my notes there on how to find freedom. So th- this is what we believe our spiritual journey is. Know God, that's, I mean, that's the starting point for everyone that, that really wants to find something, uh, find their way to God. You have to know God, and God wants to know you, and, and, and there is that relationship that is built. We preached about that last week. Today, we're going to talk about finding freedom. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be talking about discover life. Now, discover life is more than just a, a meeting that we have or a sermon series. It's really where we start discovering why we were made the way that we were made and what God wants to do in our life. And then the last week of this month, we'll talk about how to make a difference. We, we really believe that that is the best life that you can live, the life where you just surrender it to God and God starts working in your life and changing your life and, and moving you towards the purpose that he called you to, moving you towards the purpose that he has implanted deep in your heart and that as you discover what God wants for your life, your life really takes that place of satisfaction. It really comes to that place where you are content with what God wants to do in your life. That is, in my opinion, the best life that you could ever live. The best life you could ever live is the life where you are fulfilled in the purpose that you were created for. And that's what Jesus came for. He came so that we could discover this great life, this life that he has for us, this best life. As a matter of fact, Jesus summed it up in the book of John chapter 10 and 10 when he said, the thief, that's the enemy of your soul, this is what he comes to do. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then Jesus turned around and said, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, an abundant life, a life where you live in, in a realm and in an area where there is so much blessings in your life and fulfillment in your life. Now, I'm not saying that it's a life without difficulties or trials because that's not part of the promise, but it is a life that is fulfilling. It is a life that is satisfying 
And it is a life that matches with what God has created us for. I know that many times we feel like that we're alone. You know why we feel like we're alone? Because we are unique in the world. We are a unique creation. There's nobody just like us. And so many times when we feel that aloneness and and, and like we are the only one that really understands who we are, that can be so dangerous and lead us to isolation. But that's not what God intended for your aloneness and your uniqueness to do. God intended for it to bring you to a place of solitude with him a place of communion with him so that he could pour into you and really help you understand why you are the way that you are and why God made you the way that he made you. And and, and if we only look at the aloneness, it's easy for that to lead us into a place of isolation and we know what that leads to. Isolation can lead to bitterness. It can lead to depression even suicide. And so what we're trying to do is say, listen, let this aloneness, let this life that God created you to live lead you to a place where you know more about God. Now, now our spiritual journey is really summed up in a passage of scripture that Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. Paul really is digging into what the church is all about in this letter And this is what he says, starting in verse number 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit and the revelation in the knowledge of him. That's knowing him. God wants you to know him. And Paul here is saying, this is what God wants. So I'm praying that he will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him the way that God wants you to know him. Verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. And this is where freedom comes when we really have an ability to see and understand what's going on in our life. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That is where I really find out what my purpose is and discover life and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That's where we make a difference, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So that's where we get this, know God, find freedom, discover life, And make a difference. We believe that it is a journey that the Lord pulls us on, compels us to walk in when we are in love with him and when we follow him. Now, now I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a boring life. The life that I'm talking about is a life that is uh, authentic. (laughs) And, And I think that's something that we all want. We want to be authentic. Even when we're faking everybody out, we really want to be authentic. We, we want a life that is full of, uh, of honesty and, and, and that is life-changing and that is vibrant and that, that has relationships that are, that, are, that are real, real relationships. And, and this is what we believe at Life Church that freedom like that is found when you travel with a group of people. Freedom is found in life groups. Freedom is found when you commune with people that are walking the same way. 
Well, Pastor, I don't want to get involved in all of that kind of stuff. You know, I just want to come to church on Sunday and, and worship God and go home. And, and I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're at Houston. But the truth is, we need more than just church. We need each other. That's the way God created us. God created us to walk and find the freedom that he has for us. Well, I, I've got everything I need on Sunday, and, and I don't need any more freedom. Well, let, let, me, let me just explain it like this. The children of Israel were miraculously delivered from the land of Egypt. I mean, God brought them out. It was an amazing miracle that took place that, that allowed them to escape 417 years of slavery. But, but you know what? When they got out in the wilderness, even though they were free from the, the bonds of Egypt and the chains of slavery, did you know that their mentality was still that of a slave? And if you read through that book of Exodus, you'll find that many times when trouble, trouble came, this was their response. Man, we wish we were back in Egypt. We wish we were back in slavery. I mean, think about that. And really, that's what happens to us many times. God sets us free and brings us out. But there are issues that if we don't deal with them, will constantly try to pull us back into the slavery that the enemy has for us. And so I really believe we need more than church on Sunday. I'm thankful for church on Sunday. Anybody thankful for church on Sunday? I, 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 I love church on Sunday. I love worshiping God. I love seeing people. I, I, I love praying together. But, but we need each other. Now, now, Pastor Tito mentioned several times this morning that our church is almost 70 years old. Actually, uh, in the month of November, we're going to be celebrating our 68th birthday. Isn't that amazing? 68 years, Houston. Isn't that amazing? Now, now I want to tell you something about that 68 years. In that 68 years we have released about 120 ministers. We, we have guys that are pastoring in the Dallas area, in the Beaumont area, in the San Antonio area. We have them in California. We have them in, in Indiana. We have them in New York. We have them in Florida. These are young people that grew up in our church and came out of our church. We, we have young people that are overseas. We have not only released people, but we've helped plant churches. We've helped birth churches. We've birthed churches that then have turned around and birthed churches that have birthed churches. Amen. I'm telling you that we have such a connection throughout this city of churches that have somehow had a connection with a birth that came from Life Church. Now, now let me tell you how Life Church started. 50, uh, I'm sorry, 68 years ago, there was a group of people that had a hunger to know God. And do you know what they did? They started meeting in the backyard of somebody's house. They didn't have a church, didn't have a building. They just had a hunger to know God. And they started just having prayer together. Uh, I have a painting in my um, uh, offices. And it's from a photograph that was taken all of those years ago. And it just shows this simple tent that is set up in the backyard and it shows people are in this tent and they're praying and they're seeking God. And, and, and so really, this church started from just a small group. It started with people meeting together, people that loved each other and people that loved God. And, and, and look at what happened because there was a group of people that 
bound together, prayed together. Now, there are so many churches that are in existence. There's so many pastors and pastor's wives and missionaries. To God be the glory. Somebody say, to God be the glory. But let me tell you something. It started because they did life together. And I think that to the place we're at now where we have three campuses and God has blessed us and, and we have a lot of people coming, I think that it's important for us to reflect back on where we came from and what God really used. And, and so when we talk about freedom that's in life groups, we're, we're not talking about something that is just an add-on. We're talking about something that's foundational. We're talking about something that's part of our spiritual DNA. No, I'm not trying to add more to your schedule. I know that we have busy lives. I, I know your agenda is probably already full. I wouldn't be talking about it today unless I thought it was vital. And I think that it's vital. I think it's the backbone of what your life could be. And, and, and I think that, that without that, without meaningful relationships, we're always in the danger of being taken back into a place where, where we don't want to be, back into a place of slavery. Now, I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And I'm going to do something that, that is kind of common, but I'm going to read and preach through it, okay? So I'm not going to read straight through it. So I, I want you to pay attention to the verses that are on the screen and just leave those verses up there until I call for the next one because I want to preach about it too. Uh, and it starts in verse number 8 by saying, there was a man all alone. Everybody say alone. Now, now listen, uh, I've read all the statistics and I could have spent probably 10 or 15 minutes just talking about all of the uh, effects and the impact that the pandemic had on us where we had to social distance. I mean, that's a horrible phrase. I hate that phrase. I, I, that, that's, I, I know what they were trying to do, but that's not really something that we should be talking about, social distancing. We, we need each other. And, and I think that the world is seeing now how important it is for us to gather together and, and, and what a joy it was when, those, uh, the, the, when they started lifting things where we could start getting back together. And, and thank God Texas wasn't as bad as some other places. But, but now the studies are coming out and it's showing how much damage was done to, to children that were, were not able to go to school together. And it shows how much damage was done to people because of loneliness and, and depression on the rise and anxiety is now the biggest health issue that is here in the States and, and, and it's being felt all over the world. There was a man all alone. This is something that is powerful because it speaks to us today and it goes on to say he had neither son nor brother. In other words, he didn't have anybody to share his life with. He didn't have anybody to talk to. And, and, and uh, again, just going back to, to 2020, the studies that we have read is that a fourth of the people under 30 considered suicide during that time. Think about that. A fourth of young people under 30. I'm 60, so I can say that's young. I know that you that are in the room that are 15 think 30 is old. It's not, but you'll, you'll get there. You'll understand. Uh, the the statistics, statistics tell us that in October of 2020, more people died by suicide than were killed by COVID 
in, in, in 10 months of that year. And, 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 you know, look, here in the United States, we, we've experienced um, a high rate of deaths due to, to alcohol and to drugs and to, to, to suicide and, and, and all of the things that are going on in that world of, the, of fentanyl. And, oh, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough. This is what I would say. Our society is soul sick. Our society is pulled apart because we're lonely. And, and I hate things that try to pull us apart. I, I believe that the Lord wants us to find that uh, brother and sister, that son or that brother. The, the scripture goes on to say there was no end. Everybody say no end. No end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He, he, he didn't have anybody to help, and there was work, 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 work. And, and yet when it came down to it, there was no contentment with his wealth. For whom am I tolling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? <laughs> And we're really seeing that. We saw it in the middle of the pandemic where, where people were upset about the fact that they couldn't get together and, 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 and the, the, the numbers of hours and minutes that Netflix were streamed is staggering. Uh, it, it's staggering how many people just binged Netflix. And, and, and what I have seen is that Americans are watching and watched an average of 3.2 hours a day through Netflix. Can I tell you that that's 6 billion collective hours a month? 6 billion. <laughs> because people are like, hey, what am I enjoying? I'll find a place to entertainment. There's a new thing out now called revenge travel. Anybody ever heard the term revenge travel? I'll tell you what it is. So you'll be smart like me. And you'll be up on the new thing because, hey, I'm hip daddy. <laughs> Which by saying hip daddy shows you just how out of touch I am. This is the new thing, revenge travel. People are saying, you know what, I didn't get to travel during the pandemic and I don't care what my boss says or what anybody else says, I'm traveling. And, and, and people are just taking vacations, they're leaving their job, they're taking off, whatever. And then there's the other part of it where people that got so caught up in the pandemic and self-isolation that many people have never come out of the self-isolation. They're there because they're fearful. They're there because it became a way of life. They're there because they, they cut the ties that they had to society around them. And, and, and it, it's just not, it's, it's the, it's, that's not the way God created us. God created us to be together. God created us to be a family. God created us to move together. The, the, the scripture says this too is meaningless. It's a miserable Business and, and, and if you just read those verses, it's depressing. <laughs> but like the Lord does so many times, at the end of this part that is the bad news, he gives the answer. And here's the answer starting in verse number 9. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down... One can help the other up. Let, let me just ask you a question in this room. 
Has there anybody that's ever been down and you've needed somebody to help you up? Let me just see your hand. Hasn't it been awesome that somebody came along beside you? It may be a brother. It may be a mother. It may be a father. It may be a friend. And they helped you up. There's been some very dark times in my life. And in those times, I'm thankful that I had friends that came along and picked me up. I had people that prayed for me and made sure that I got back up on my feet. But listen to the second part of that verse. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down, they will keep warm. But how can warm... One, keep warm alone. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then he goes on to say, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's when I add those things to my life. When I have people that are walking with me, if I'm in a battle, I can only face one way. But if I have a friend, they can stand back to back with me and we can fight together. And if I have threefold cord, if I include God in those relationships, according to what the Bible says, it is not quickly broken. That, that's why we have life groups. And, and I know we've called them different things over the years, small groups, all other kind of groups. But, but we've always had them. We've always had Sunday school classes. We've always had small groups. And the mission has always been the same for us to do life together to find the freedom that God has for us. And, and today we have marriage groups. We have prayer groups. We have new connection groups. If you're new to Life Church, find out from somebody on the team of the campus you're at where the new connection group meets. We, we'd love to get to know you. We have parenting courses. We have financial groups. We have activity groups. We have all kind of things. And, and, and if you don't know where to start, can I just give you the place where I think you should start? And that's in our freedom groups. That, that's really the root of what we're trying to do. That's the, that's the backbone of, of what we believe that God wants to do for people is to go through a freedom group. And if you're not in a freedom group in Houston or in Friendswood, it's not too late. I know that the semester has gone on for a couple of weeks, but, but you may have to do a little bit of homework. But I want you to be involved. I want you to find a group. And, and I want God to use you. Now, now, if you've gone through freedom and you've gone through small groups and you're looking for something else, this year we're doing something different. We're, we're starting what we call discipleship groups that don't meet for just 7 or 8 or 12 weeks, but they're a year-long group of discipling yourself. And, and in Houston and in uh, Friendswood, there are men representatives for men discipleship groups and women representative for women's uh, discipleship groups. Rhonda's here. Rhonda, where are you? Hold your hand up, Rhonda. Uh, uh, she's here somewhere. She's in kids. Okay. So after service, look Rhonda Colgrove up, and she can help you. Um, but, but get in a life group. Why? Why? Because this is, this is what I want you to hear. Real change, real life change happens in the context of our relationships. Our relationships. I can prove it to you. I know, I know you're wondering. I can prove it to you. Tell me 10 sermons that have affected your life. You, we can't do it. We may have one or two. I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I can't remember 10 sermons that I've preached. So don't feel bad about it. I, I had to look back at my notes because, because this is something and it's important. Preaching is important. It, it hits us. But, but you know what really makes a difference in our life? People 
that have influenced us. Now, I could ask you to name 10 people that have influenced you, and and you could sit down and write a list, and before you knew it, you'd have a mother, a grandparent, a school teacher, somebody that you went to school with. We, We would have that list because, listen, our lives aren't shaped by information. And a lot of times that's what preaching is. It's information. It's good information. And we need to stockpile that information in our mind. But our life really isn't changed by information. Our life is impacted by relationships. Just, just turn to your neighbor and say, man, that is such good preaching. I just... <laughs> let, let people know, man, pastor is on it today. Houston, they're clapping here in Friendswood. I expect the same from you. Come on. But but really, this is what happens. Our lives are shaped by relationships. Now, there are moments in my life that I had a great move of God in my heart in a sermon. But I can tell you that many times that happened not necessarily because of the words that were being said, but because the person that was preaching I had a connection with them, and they spoke to my heart. They they talked to me. I I can tell you that there are people in my life that I have leaned upon because of their friendship and their strength. There, There are people in this building that I have known so many years, and their kindness and their friendship to me has just, it's been unreal. And I I want you to understand that we need each other. Everybody say, we need each other. Houston, say, we need each other. And and, and this is why we need each other, because that's the way that God intended for it to be. This is what Paul said in the book of Romans chapter uh, 12 and 5. He said, so in Christ, we through many, through many people, we form one body. And each member belongs to. To all the others. Now, we all have our own life, and, and there there is a, a tool that is used by a psychologist. It's called the Jahari window, and it kind of tells you what quadrant. There's four different areas to this uh, way of teaching, and it tells you uh, what quadrant your life is in. So let's talk about the first one. The first one is the arena or the open uh, area of our life and that's where I know what's going on in my life and you know what's going on in my life. So that would be like today. Today you know what's going on in my life. I'm up here speaking to you uh, and I know that I'm up here speaking to you. That, that's just so, uh, common. But you know what? It's so easy to be fake in that arena. In that arena where you walk into your job and everybody knows you and they know why you're there and you know why you're there. It's very easy to be fake there. It's very easy to put on a facade. You know what I'm talking about? We've all done it. And there was a group of people in the Bible that that's the way they lived their life. They lived their life only so others could see and look upon them. They were called the Pharisees. And this is what Jesus said about them in Matthew chapter 23 and 5. They, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. In other words, they're living their life in that arena that's open and look at me, look at what's going on, and, and, and that's all that they have. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 30, uh, uh, 23 and 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Listen to what he says, hypocrites, for you are like 
whitewashed tombs. <laughs> whitewashed tombs. So in other words, um, the, the outside has been cleaned and painted white and looks good. But, but on the inside, we, we, we know what I know and what you know is in this open arena. But the inside, this is what it says here. You're outwardly beautiful, but you're full of dead people's bones. I, I hate to say it, folks, but, but this is a lot of people's religious experience. Hey, hey, Hillary was talking about it in the little video that she went to church all of her life, but she was broken. It, 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 it's, 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 and I'm not saying that Hillary was putting on, but so many times that's what we do. We put on for church. We dress up. Put on the smile, pretend everything is okay, but on the inside we feel like whitewashed tombs. There, there's a second quadrant called the mask, and that is, I know, but you don't know. And in that quadrant, I have things that are in my life that nobody else knows about. All of us are like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not something that all of us don't have in our life. The thing is... If we always keep those things that are secret in our life, those things that are harmful to us secret, then I'll always stay as, see, as sick as my secrets are. I'll always be that sick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 says, We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver or manipulate behind scenes and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves, Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. It's important to find people that you trust, that are walking the same way that you're walking, that you can just share some of your weaknesses with. That you can share, this is where I need, maybe, maybe I need to back up and ask, how many people have weaknesses? Let me just see your hand, everybody that has a weakness. If you didn't raise your hand, part of your weakness is that you're not being honest. <laughs> I, I'm blind, the lights are in my eyes, I couldn't see you if you did not raise your hand, I'm not casting stones anybody. Let's just do it one more time. Everybody that has weaknesses, let me see your hands. We all have them. It, it's part of our nature to have weaknesses. And you know what happens when we reveal that weakness? We find somebody that can strengthen us. And a lot of times we won't take the mask off just because we're afraid that somebody's going to hurt us. And people have hurt us. Anybody ever been hurt? We've all been hurt because we've expressed something and somebody's taken that and, and treated it very uh, trivial. Or, or somebody's talked about it. Um, and, and if you're letting hurt keep you from that very thing that gives you life, then rethink that. Rethink it. Overcome that fear of being hurt. The other place where we keep ourselves behind the mask is just simply because we're fearful. We're fearful of disappointment. We, we think we're the only person that is struggling with this issue. I've got news for you. There's a lot of people that are struggling with a lot of different issues in, the life, in their life. And so this is what happens. The more I talk about it, the more I'm learning that others have lived the same experience. 
This is what John said in John 3, chapter 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a powerful scripture that guarantees us salvation. I'm thankful for that, but that's not where that passage ends. Jesus continues to talk there and he said, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In this, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world. Everybody say the light. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. We, we don't want the darkness of our heart exposed to people. What will people think about it if they know what we really are? And, and that's where the mass comes in. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whosoever does what is true comes to the light so that they may be clearly so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I want to say say something here, and I want you to remember it. I've already talked about how we forget sermons, and that's okay, but I'd love for this just to stick in your mind for a couple of days and pray about it. And that is, Jesus didn't come to make you feel sorry I know that when we read the word and we hear preaching many times, we feel, oh, I'm so sorry I did that. Anybody with me? Houston, anybody with me? Friends, would anybody with me? I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I thought that way. I'm sorry I acted that way. I'm sorry I behaved that way. Whatever it may be. But that's not why he came. Jesus did not come to make you feel sorry. He came to set you free. He came to bring deliverance. He came to walk you through it. So this is what you do. James said it. Just confess your sins. Well, be careful who you confess to, but find somebody to do life with and confess to them. Talk to them. Look, I'm struggling with this. You don't have to go into detail about what you've done or where, where you've been or how you've acted, but you could just tell them, this is what I'm dealing with. This is the thing that I'm wrestling with. This is the thing that I've got to have help with. And, and, and will you help with me? And, and, and look at the last part of that scripture. It says, um, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. He also says in the letter to Colossae, Colossians 4 and 12, Epaparus um, that's, that's one of those Bible names that you don't hear about a lot. But look, look at what Epaphras did. Who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greeting. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. This is what I pray for you. I pray for you that you find an Epaphras, somebody that will wrestle with you for your salvation, for your freedom. And and I believe that you can find them in small groups. Okay, the third quadrant, and I'm going to go fast through this one, is the blind spots. Everybody say blind spots. We all have them. You know what they are. You've driven a car long enough to know that you've changed lanes, and about halfway through, somebody honked at you. And you were like, oh, my goodness, because they were in your blind spot, right? 
If you've never done that, then maybe it's me. Maybe I'm a bad driver, but I have a feeling that we've all done it. Can I get a confession? Who's done that? Yes, it's part of life that we have blind spots. I don't know, but guess what? You know about my blind spots. There's some things that you know about me that, that you just know because you observe them. The person that is in the blind spot knows, oh, that person didn't see me. The person driving behind them, oh, they don't see that person in the blind spot. I'm kind of aggravated when I watch videos of somebody that, that's filming and there's a wreck to take place and, and you can hear them talking, oh, it's fixing to happen, it's fixing to happen. Like, dude, blow your horn or something. Don't just let it happen. You know, g- Give a helping hand here you know, instead of just filming it so you can get on YouTube. Jesus. And you know what happens? When I have a blind spot, I want somebody to tell me about that blind spot. I don't want a wreck. I don't want my life to go off the rails. This is what the wise man said. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. (laughs) We don't want our friends to wound us, but let me tell you something. Sometimes we need to be wounded by the people that love us. And it's not an intentional wounding. It's a wounding where they're telling us, hey, you're missing out on something here. You're, you're, something's going on here. Listen to the next part of that verse. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Those people that say, oh, yeah, it's okay. Let's just, hey, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. I want somebody to tell me, hey, you might need to take a step back from that. Hey, you might need to be careful in that situation. Hebrews 3, 12 to 13, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So there's, there's the you know and I know it. There is the I know it, but you don't know it. There is the I don't know it, but you know it. And there is the I don't know it and you don't know it. And that's the fourth quadrant which is talking about our potential. I thank God that while I may not know everything that he has for me, he knows them. And I want to fulfill the potential that God has created me for. I want to walk into everything that God has done in my life, I, I, I has for my life. And, and, and the best version of me is yet to come. This is what I believe. I am 60, and I know that I've lived the majority of my life. I don't think that I'm going to live to be 120. I've seen people that have lived to be 120, and I have to tell you, I'm not for sure if I want to live to be 120 after seeing their picture. God bless them. But whatever time I have left on the earth, I know that the best is in front of me because I'm walking with God and he's constantly changing me and constantly building me. And and some of the greatest moments I've ever seen is when I've walked in with saints of God. I just did it this past week. A a lady in our church that that has been like like a second mother to me for years and years and her health is failing and I went to see her and, and I stood by her bed and this is what she said to me. Well, I'm ready to go. I'm like, oh my God, you're ready? Because we have such a fear of that coming and death and, 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 and think about to get to grow to the place where you're no longer fearful of the thing that all of us are afraid of, death. I, I know the best is yet for me. 
and we are a body. Iron sharpeneth iron, Proverbs 27 and 17. So one person sharpens another. Colossians 2, 19, they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Get in a life group. How do I find freedom? I'm wrapping up here. If the team wants to come up here and in Houston, what do I do to really find freedom? Well, I've already said it. I've already said it, and I, I know you're going to do it. <laughs> I, I know that you've taken into account what I've said, and, and, and it's been one of those sermons that you'll remember for the rest of your life, and, and, and it's been convicting, and, and I know you'll get in a life group. I mean, it's just the logical thing to do when we've talked about this, when we've seen what God wants. It, it, it's important to get in a life group. It's important to be a part of life family, get involved in the church. I, I'll say this about the church. A lot of people, they come to church very lackadaisical, on and off. If they don't think the church real. If you'll give the church six months and if you'll apply what is preached and if you'll get involved and if you'll serve, it'll transform your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. There's not a lot of guarantees in this world, but I'll guarantee you that if you'll apply the word of God and you'll be involved in serving and giving your life to other people for six months, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Why? Why should I do that? Because every one of us needs a place where we can be needed and we can be known. I'm closing with this. And and this is something that we've been praying. My family's been praying. We we know that there's a lot of people that are new to church. Houston, we know that there's a lot of people there. You're new to church. We know here in Friendswood, there's a lot of people that are new to church. I had the beautiful experience of growing up in church and developing lifelong friendships. Everybody say old friends. I have old friends. And this is what we've been praying. We've been praying that God would give us a revival, not just of people being changed, but that God would actually help us become old friends to one another. What are old friends? Well, old friends are people that open up to each other. Old friends are people that devote time and help one another. Old friends, uh, they, they have your undivided attention with them. Old friends, you, you've built trust with them, right? You, you, you've gone through experiences with them. Old friends, you've shared memories together. And this is what I'm praying for Life Church. I'm praying that God would give us the spirit. Would we be so open to one another and love each other so deeply that we would start trusting one another and we would start building memories together and that God would replace all of maybe the old friends that we've lost. Because I know a lot of times coming to Christ is losing people that were once a part of your life. But that God would give us the grace to love each other to such a level that when we come in, we would become old friends and walk together and find the best life that God has for us. Let, let's stand together. In Houston, you'll stand here in Friendswood. And, and, and uh, team in Houston, I'm going to turn it to you, Andrew, and, and the worship team there in just a moment. And then Pastor Mike's going to take it, and the worship team's coming here. But, but before, before I close, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to call for the prayer team to come here and in Houston come to the front 
And, and I want to pray for you. And, and at the end of our time of prayer, and, and as the team goes into that last worship song, if you're in either one of the campuses and you just know that what, whatever is going on in your life, if it's loneliness, if it's self-isolation, whatever may have happened in your life that has caused you to, to, to feel depressed or alone, uh, I, I pray that you would just come and let us pray for you and, and ask God to break all of those chains that would keep you bound and, and that would keep you isolated and that we would really understand and know what the family of God is all about. We are a body. We belong to one another. We need each other. And that's the way God works in the world today. Will you bow your heads with me, both campuses? Lord, thank you so much for today. And this is our prayer, oh God. Our prayer, oh God, is that you would that you would help us to find the freedom that you have created us for. You did not create us to live the life of a slave. You did not create us to live a life of bondage. You have created us, dear Lord, to walk into the freedom that you want us to have and that you want us to experience, a freedom of living the life that you created us to live and, and to find the things that you want us to find for us and, and to bring that life that just brings satisfaction, oh God. Our, our prayer right now, oh Lord, is that you would just move and, and that you would touch and that you would help us today and that if there's anyone that is, that is listening to us today and, and they felt that they've been isolated or alone or they don't fit in, I, I pray that they would take that and not, not let it lead them to uh, uh, loneliness or, or, or so, uh, uh, isolation, but it would uh, lead them to the place of, of, of solitude where they would hear your voice and they would become a part of the body that you have intended for them to be. I, I pray that anointing in Jesus' name. I, I come against the spirit of depression. I come against the spirit of anxiety. I come against the awful, horrible spirit of suicide. I cast it down, Lord, and I pray that life would just flow and, and there would be connections and, 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 and God, make us old friends today. Make us friends that walk together, that carry one another's burdens and that your will can be accomplished. I pray it in Jesus' name. Will you say in Jesus' name with me?